Welcome to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about our one reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here's Roberta. Welcome to Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes and I'm so happy you're with us today. Very few people realize that we have been getting great communications from people we used to think were dead for almost 200 years. In fact, the heyday of afterlife communications was around the turn of the 20th century, so more than 100 years ago now, and it was a flood, a flood of really amazing evidence of the survival of the human personality. It was so abundant and so overwhelming that mainstream science not only refused to study it, they stonewalled it, completely squelched it altogether. They made the spirits give up. If only scientists at the time had been acting like actual, you know, scientists, then ever since your grandparents were born, everyone on earth would have known that we easily, easily survive our deaths. A lot of that best evidence from the heyday of communications from those that we used to think were dead was rigorously studied at the time and preserved by the most open-minded researchers. Uh, And there were many at the time who really believed this was, as it was, cutting-edge information. But still, much of it has been lost or forgotten during the past long and very cynical century. But a few modern people have made a career in carefully preserving the best of these communications and writing them up for modern people. Most notably, and I think first among them, is the venerable Michael Tim. And our guest today is no less wonderful. We are delighted to welcome Riley Haggerty back again, here for the sixth time. Riley has been researching and documenting the great physical mediums of historic spiritualism for more than 30 years. He's published a number, I believe it's eight, of very good books, including The French Revelation about the independent voice medium Emily French, Portraits from Beyond about the Bang Sisters, And they were the ones who precipitated spirit portraits and independent writing. Amazing book, I have to say. The Direct Voice about the medium Elizabeth Blake. And Spectral Evidence, Volumes 1 and 2, which are compilations of mind-blowing mediumistic events during that heyday of spiritualism. Riley has also sat with most of the current internationally known physical mediums. And his wife, Caroline, is a practicing clairvoyant medium in her own right. Riley Haggerty is devoting his life to doing something that might seem kind of obscure now, but it's absolutely essential pioneering work. He researches these old psychic phenomena, and then he writes fascinating and highly enjoyable books about them. Some of them really read like candy. It's just wonderful, wonderful information easily presented. His eighth book is hot off the press now, and he tells us it may be his best one yet. It's called, and this is, this is a mouthful, it's called The Phenomena of Spirit Materialism, The Transcendent Wonder of the Ages, the most glorious and staggering eyewitness accounts ever recorded of spirits returning from the afterlife. Wow. And it's even illustrated. And I, I have to say, it is mind-blowing. We're going to talk about that now. This is, as I say, Riley's sixth appearance with us on Seek Reality. And I'm so glad to have him back. Welcome, Riley. We're delighted to have you here. <clears throat> That's good to be back. Thanks for having me again. Always nice to hear you, man. <laughs> um, uh, t- tell us how you got started in this field, because people are saying, wow, I didn't even know that stuff existed. How did he find it? What made him want to do all of this? 
1986, my fiance was dying of leukemia, which I was helping his hospital in the oncology ward. And about a week before she passed, she called me to her bedside and said, I have to tell you something. And I said, what, what, what's this? She said, my son's here. Now her son had passed away 15 years previous. And she said, uh, and I instinctively just turned around thinking, you know, someone's in the room. But then I turned back to her and I realized that her and I had went and visited the grave of her son about a year or two before. Yeah. And I, I turned back to her and looked at her and she said, well, he's, he's standing right behind you. Oh, wow. And she said, I hope you're not going to try to convince me what I'm saying is not true. She goes, I know my own son. Yeah. He's been, he's been coming every night and he's preparing me to cross over because I'm not going to make it through this dreadful. She had leukemia. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not going to make it through this dreadful process. So I was, you can imagine speechless on both accounts. Oh yeah. By what she, by what she told me in one breath, she was, she's going to die. And the, and the other one was her son standing there. Yeah. And she said, and it was so evidential what she said, because uh, her, her spirit son had brought someone with him. And it was the best friend of her mother. And they were keeping it from her that she had passed away. So my fiance says to me, tomorrow morning when you see my mother in the cafeteria down, you know, the cafeteria at Johns Hopkins, you ask her, where, where's Mrs. Collins? Why hasn't she come to visit me? So I did. And her mother and I didn't really get along. She was Scottish and I'm Irish. So what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I said, uh, Judy, where's Mrs. Collins then? You know, it's like a murder mystery, she says. She shushes me up and she goes, don't dare breathe a word. She died two weeks ago. And we're not telling Diane because we don't want to upset her. Oh. So I said, don't worry about that. I said to myself, I'm not going to have to tell Diane. She already knows. Absolutely. So after she passed away, I was so sad. I didn't. I had said to myself, well, how can someone I know, I'm sure a lot of your listeners, could feel the same way. How could someone so full of energy and beauty and vitality could just be gone? You know, how can life be so cruel? So I had no answers. So I just simply, in the organic sense of the word, went in search of answers because I had none. Yes. And I just never gave up. I started reading everything I could on psych matters and this and that. And then around 1990, I came upon the work of Emily French, the subject of my first book. Yes. The French Revelation. And that turned the, that turned the curve of the road for me because it introduced me to physical mediumship. And since that time, I just kept going and going and going. So now here we are, 30 years later, and my eighth published book, and I'm still going strong. <laughs> so I just kept going with my own research, and I proved to myself conclusively incontrovertible evidence yeah. of life or death. So I found the answers I was looking for, and I also would sat with my wife and I sat with all the physical mediums. And my wife, as you said in your introduction, she's a great clairvoyant. So spirit is nothing new to us. So oh, I wow. found the answers I'm looking for, and now I just... I'm not a propagandist for spiritualism or life after death. What I do is I just I just gather the facts over years and years and years, and then I put it together, and the reader can make up their own mind. I just like to have the facts in front of them instead of just Wikipedia. Here's the real story of, like, hundreds of witnesses. You can't yeah. discard what witnesses, especially intelligent witnesses, with unimpeachable character, can't deny their eyewitness reports. 
If you're going to question that about spiritism, you should question everything about world history then. Everything. That's, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Their words are legitimate. So, you know, yeah. someone, nobody questions uh, the Battle of the Ardennes Forest in World War II, what happened there. And yet they'll question, or the medical doctor, when he says, I saw my wife materialize in front of me. Why would they question that, not the other? Yes, but the thing that people really wonder about who read these books is, why don't we have it now? I mean, they had it back then. I mean, there are reasons. We'll talk today about some of the reasons why these these phenomena, which, I mean, the materializations in daylight. I mean, you're standing there, and in walks your dad looking young and beautiful in full daylight, and just as he looked when he... He was here, but maybe before you were even born, or something like that. Why? Why does that happen to people then when they go to go to, go to mediums, but now it doesn't? And and talk a little about what physical mediumship really is. How how does it work? Well, part one of your question, and I have a worthwhile theory, just to give as a gift to listeners, and it's just I only say this because it's thirty years plus of research. But my theory is that the spirits knew back then in that century of wonders between, I say, 1848 and like 1960, 65, they knew full well because they know everything. Uh-huh. Up, up ahead was coming the industrial age. They knew up ahead cell phones, cell phones, tires, the Airwaves polluted with radio waves, social media. They knew it was coming, and they said, here's, here's our opportunity to open up the gates of heaven with a titanic outpouring of spiritual gifts upon the world. Right. And that's what they did. Because if you look now at everything, it's everybody's distracted. Uh, social media has taken over everything. Uh, you couldn't, the sanctity of development and all the phenomena associated with the great mediums did not have these distractions or this craziness of social media. Because now, it would, just thinking about now, I am not surprised at all that there's no really an outpouring of great mediums like there was. And I, I attribute it all to the ongoing materialism of the age and the social media and the airwaves, cell towers. I think it's a worthwhile theory. I think also the cynicism of the age is very important too, because one of one of the things about that time was that people were more innocent. People were open-minded. Nowadays, we have, frankly, over the past more than a century, we've had a crusading scientific community. Trust the science. Trust the science. And yet, they are the worst religion that ever was in terms of dogmatic hatred of things that ever existed, because they won't even look at anything that is not material. That's their their in fact that's their fundamental dogma of science. And yet, not even. The matter we see around us is actually material. So they have polluted our minds to the point. And, and if if people really won't believe this, then it does, isn't going to happen. But there, but but it strikes me as that it was a much more trusting time, too. Oh, definitely. And you have to remember the, the gall and the rudeness of the scientific community. They crucified Sir William Crooks, Sir Oliver Lodge, yeah, right. William Barrett. These were people that were knighted by the British Empire for their scientific achievements and their intelligence. Yes. They were yes. laughed at by their comrades because they said they communicated with spirits. Yeah, they tried. 
Yep, that's right. Over, that's right. Over the centuries, sciences in the church, religion, with their superstitions, they wipe them in the carpet. I've tried to have conversations with people that are really Orthodox Christians and try to say to them, that's your, right. you your have... Christian Bible, every page is filled with psychic phenomena, and yet that's you right. deny you deny this, and you call it miracles and all that, but they're all operating on natural law. They yeah. were mediums back yes. then, and the angels are nothing more than spirits. Yes. And oh, yes. every form of mediumship is presented in the Bible, and yet they think it's something else. It's like we can't even have a conversation. It's like mortal man communicating with spirits is the basis of almost every religion, of which there are hundreds of, of religions. Actually, there are 40. It starts with a man or a woman <laughs> right. communicating with a spirit. Yeah, there are there are thousands and thousands and thousands. Of, there are forty thousand versions of believe it or not of Christianity alone today. That's how many religions there are. Yes, and they can't agree on anything. Nope, that's right. But but you're right. It actually is a pincer. It was a pincer movement over the past century and a, and a little more um, between uh, religions, all of which are sure they they know everything and that. Uh, they also actually believe that it's wrong to communicate with spirits, even though it doesn't even say that in the Bible, contrary to what I've been told so many times by people. Um, it's 1 John 4, 1. That's exactly what it is. 1 John, that's, an, that's not the Gospel of John, that's another book, 4, 1. Look it up, everybody. It just says, try the spirits to make sure they're of God, which is what every sensible medium does, because there are some pretty nasty spirits, too, that you can pick up. But okay, so so we know a little bit about why it never took off. It is indisputably, however, real. You're right. It it's absolutely real. I've I've seen I've been to a physical mediumship seance, not as wonderful as any that you describe, but but pretty wonderful. And so I have no doubt it's real. But but you, you said that you could tell us a little more about the science behind it. That 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 people are telling us from where they where this all comes from. Uh, you know how it works. Well, I have a. I have a paragraph here from a spirit chemist, and it may be a little bit hard for the listeners to understand, but I'll just read slow. It's not very, it's not very long. It's about 10 sentences. Okay. But here's, here's what they have to say about materialization, which essentially means, like this latest book, The Phenomena of Spirit Materialization, uh, as wondrous as it may sound or incredible, you know, a medium will sit in the corner on a hard wooden chair, that's it, and they throw a curtain across the corner. The medium goes in trance, and out from that curtain walks fully formed spirits, the very person that the sitters knew in the earth life. And it's truly astounding. So the spirit says materialization is achieved entirely by spirits applying natural laws to matter. The perfection of the materialization, however, depends upon the spiritual and the physical capacities of the medium Spirits direct elements and chemicals from the surrounding to the medium's organism, intensify the vibration of the combined chemicals, and draw upon them for ectoplasm with which to surround their forms. They then increase the temperature of the ectoplasm, retard their own vibrations, and their spirit forms emerge into range of human perception. The medium's body and the materialization process is employed as a magnet, a dynamo, a generator, and an amplifier. How's that sound? <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Well, you can everybody see, got it. <laughs> yeah, they, they they love the process. That's pretty clear. The 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 people who are doing this have a lot of joy in what they're doing for us. 
Um, oh, absolutely. And, and surely the the uh, what happens is just beyond belief wonderful. Well, some of the instances in this book are, I I myself was just, and I've been at this a long time. I was like just mind boggled. Yes. Especially yeah. by James Dixon in, in chapter three in the daylight. Yes. And you yeah. late walking out into the living room with the sun shining on and no doubt whatsoever. There's yeah. my mother standing right there in front of me talking and everything. But I think it depends on a lot of things that we will never be able to understand until we ourselves are in, in spirit. Right. Spirits try their best to use mundane conceptions and words and uh, descriptions. But I think it's very difficult for spirits to explain to us the physical plane, the laws applying to their plane. But what I do know is that they're in a higher vibration and they have to lower the vibrations. Yes. For instance, with the independent voice phenomenon, like Weston Flint or some of the great Emily French, they have to lower the vibrations so the spirit can actually come into this cloud of vibration and it, it intensifies their vocal cords. It actually helps them build a larynx again because they're almost like they're in a physical plane again. Yes. They, yeah. they have to walk into the spirit has to walk into a force field given off by the medium. And the spirit chemist can then lower the vibrations almost down to the physical plane. So the spirit once again has a larynx, vocal cords, throat. Some spirits are good at it and some it takes a while. But it's an incredible science. Yeah, it's it is amazing when you know that they don't have any way uh, you know, they don't have lungs, they, they don't have a larynx, they don't have any a mouth to form the words. And yet, if you listen, go to Leslie Flint, I think it's just leslieflint.com, L-E-S-L-I-E-F-L-I-N-T, I believe, um, everyone. And you, you can hear some famous people who, after their deaths um, in, the mid, in the mid-60s was when he was most active, um, they, they spoke through Leslie Flint and used an ectoplasm voice box, which they then had to modify to suit their ability to communicate through it. And they sound as if they are alive, breathing, speaking with a mouth, forming words. They sound exactly the way they sounded when they were alive. And to me, that is the most amazing fact. I can't begin to tell you how amazing that is. So I have, um, um, I have about 65 of Leslie's Santas on uh, tape. Yes. I think we should clarify for the readers. You say voice box. It's not an actual physical box. It's a, it just means that the spirits have condensed the area around the medium so the spirit can lower their vibrations. So that means, and there, it's, it's, it's what you said, this, they're, they're identical voice to when they lived on Earth. I mean, men, women, children, they're astounding. You know, Emily French, my first book, she was, Leslie Flint was born the year after Emily French died. <laughs> really? <laughs> she, was, oh. she was like the female Leslie Flint of her time. She had the exact same phenomenon, independent voice, the spirits manifested out of the thin air, about two feet above her head. And uh, I've experienced a <laughs> direct voice. It's nothing like it. It's just, it's, to me, one of the crown jewels yes. of mediumship is independent voice. Although the most wondrous, I have to say, is materialization. You know, saying it's just, I like evidence. So the independent voice has more relevance to what I do. I, I like to hear evidence and teachings. 
but the just phenomena of materialization is yes. the most glorious thing one could ever see of uh, the very person you knew standing there. It's funny. Well, let, let's talk about why it's the, the, it's unusual to be in daylight. My understanding is that the reason that nowadays physical mediums have to sit in darkness, sometimes illuminated with some red light, right. is that their ectoplasm is very sensitive to light and will will pull back and won't do what we need it to do. Um, it, it's, it's exuded by their body, concentrated in the cabinet. And then, as you say, it is used by... Um, to, to sort of attracted to and formed around the spirit's ethereal body and yeah. um, looks like that. So, but apparently for, for someone like James Dixon, his ectoplasm was such that it wasn't sensitive to light. He, he is exception. I mean, that's, that's an exception to the rule. And then he was, the spirit said they were developing, developing him before he was even born. Really? It's a good, good plans for him. He had a very early age. Uh, spirits were materializing in daylight around him. I've always said, you know, as wondrous as it is with James Dixon with spirits in daylight, which is the most wondrous thing I've ever, I've ever read or researched. Yeah. For every one great medium like that, I swear there's probably who knows how many out there. There's no such thing as just one. You know what I'm saying? Even the great yes. mediums of the past, for every one that was known, I swear there was, I'm just taking a guess, 20, 30 out there who never wanted to be recognized. Yes. They sat in their home circles. They didn't want nothing to do with publicity. You know, all of this. Yeah. And I don't blame them. But with Dixon, he was just super powerful and he was well protected by the chemists who were around him since he was in the cradle. Yes. They had plans for him. And of course, the critics pounced on him, but they couldn't disprove what was happening. They just couldn't. So, wow. Daylight is a whole other phenomenon itself. It yes. doesn't get too much more wondrous than that as far as spiritualism. I don't know what could be more wondrous uh, than. No, I, I, and the, the descriptions in your book are just amazing. Of, some um, spirits can just change their look within a blink of an eye, yeah. right in front of the spirits. So, they can just change themselves from young to old, one in one instant. Unless yeah. It's something to see. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and um, one woman shrunk and shrunk and shrunk, and <laughs> some of them disappeared right through the floor. And just it was yeah. just an amazing thing. Amazing. Yeah. Now some people are thinking, why don't they do that today? Well, there are people who are working um, at, with with. Um, physical mediumship, what what we're discovering is, I guess we knew this before, but it's really clear, in order to develop a good physical medium of the sort that, they, that you can read about in, um, uh, and frankly, in these beautiful, beautiful books, which I, I, I just, um, I, but I'd like to have more people read you because I, I just think that the books that you write are so, so extraordinary. But it, it in order for people to get to that point, it it's, it requires decades of sitting in the dark with a circle, basically other people who are somewhat psychic and developing that physical medium very slowly and gradually. They attract a team. The team works with them. And somebody that, that my audience knows well, um, Craig Hogan, is has been working with a, a circle in his home for more than a decade. And so I hear his stories all the time. It's amazing how much they have developed 
over this period of time. Um, so one day we may find that that from that circle, there actually are, I think, three physical mediums of various kinds developing in that circle. I mean, that may be something that we can can reveal to the world. But it's been more than a decade, and they do this like one, one night or, tw or twi two nights every single week. Just getting people who are not mediums to commit to being part of that circle is extraordinary. So I know. With, with the yeah. life that we have now, it's hard. It's hard to get people it, to commit what they need to in commit. My, in my book with the uh, materialization, there's a chapter on the Cardiff medium, George Spriggs. He okay. died in 1912, and he, uh, I try to make every story unique. And the spirits would materialize in his senses, and they'd walk almost 50 feet away from the cabinet where he was sitting in trance. Wow. I've never heard of anything so incredible. They yeah. literally walk, walk through the house and out into the garden under the moonlight. Oh, but, word. And the man who ran the circle was Reese Lewis, was his name. It was in Cardiff. And he insisted that not only the group of like five people, they were called the Circle of Light, they had to not only show up every week at the same time, they took total abstinence from alcohol, tobacco, meat. Yes. Every single aspect of their lives had to be dedicated to the sanctity of the developing medium in the circle. And of course, compared to turn of the century or before to now, yeah. back then there was no distractions, there was no social media, and somebody was in secret That's recording right. the yes. stance with his cell phone, so they put it on Facebook. It was none of that BS. It was all uh, sanctified and healthy. And so now these days, my my concern would be because I don't know where where we are going as far as a society. I, I don't know what was happening here, but I just would feel very uh, cautious with, with physical mediums right now. You know, you have to be careful who you let in your door because there are fanatics walking around everywhere yeah. who think that this is of the devil or some evil. They don't put two and two together to realize that the mediums that are trying to develop are trying to uplift humanity. They're not trying to Absolutely. do anything but that. There's nothing to do with this satanic BS. It's just they're trying to help humanity. But you can't convince a fanatic of that. And that's, that would be my concern now. Only yeah, because sure. of cell phones and social media. Because now once the word gets out, you know, someone always opens up their mouth, you know, there's a circle and the spirits come, oh, they tell someone. This person tells someone else. A fanatic gets hold of that. He stalks out the medium. So you've got to be careful today, it's, especially. It's, yes. And and let's let's talk frankly about why this is important. Why is the work that Riley's doing and the work that I'm doing and Craig is doing and all of us are doing, why is it so essential right now? Because fear is the core problem this country and this world have right now, fear. Right. Fear is the lowest consciousness vibration, and the core fear, the central fear, the fear is the fear of death. Once you no longer fear death, as Riley could tell you, as Craig could tell you, as I certainly tell you all the time, once you no longer fear death, you no longer fear anything. What can touch you? Oh, maybe it'll kill you. Oh, yay, I get to go home early. I mean, there is nothing. <laughs> Nothing that can touch you. There is no fear you have once you don't fear death. So the work that, that Riley Haggerty is doing is sacred. And the work that Craig is doing is sacred. Because what we are trying to do is permanently remove the fear of death from this world. 
And that's what's going to happen. 20 years, maybe, and 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 it'll happen. It's going to happen. It seems, you know, some people may think, well, why aren't you dealing with the present? Why are you dealing with the past? And my my statement is, well, it has it has to do with everything. There's no past, present, or future. That's true. That's you know, another truth, point. The, <laughs> yeah. that, the truth that was said by the spirits are just as relevant today as they were said 150 years ago. It's the same truth. It's the same natural laws. Nothing has changed. And it's just a way to say to people, like you were saying, once there's no fear, and especially you realize you are responsible for your own actions. Yes. Nobody can save you from cause and effect. Yeah. Whatever you put out there is what you yourself will inherit at the moment of death, in the spirit world. Period. That way it puts this responsibility of life on your own shoulders. And that's the way it should be. You can't that's expect right. that someone's going to pardon you from your, from your, uh, <laughs> no and, such and- thing. As we say to um, Jesus, didn't come to save us from God. That's a preposterous notion. You don't need to be saved from God. You need to be saved from yourself, and that's what his teachings do. As he said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. You, then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. There is no get out of hell free card, so we can forget thinking about that. Instead, it's time for us to start working on doing what we can to free ourselves. The whole aspect of Jesus, whether he was real or a mythological hybrid, the fact is, is that if you look at the Bible, there's a very he's just very small amount of his words are in there. But the words that he said, I don't know what could be more simply put. I know it. Nobody listens to it. Concept of just love, truth, yes. and be yourself, and yeah. stand up against uh, anything against this. He's more of a revolutionary than anything. So yeah. be yourself was his main thing. I mean, trusting yourself. And be yeah. kind to others. I don't know what else can be yeah, it's interesting more clear. No, no Christians really seem to know what he said. And I only know that because, you know, I'm a lightning rod for, for anger. I used to be. They don't do it much anymore. I used to be a lightning rod yeah. for angry Christians. But, but let's, <laughs> let, let's go back to talking about this. People say, get back on topic. So we're, we're going to get back on topic. <laughs> there, there's a quote that I took from your book because it struck me. It's a spirit guide named Juanita. I think that... that um, uh, that no, James Yeah, the, I was think, trying to think of his name quickly. I mean, this really, really terrific physical medium who materialized in daylight, um, his spirit guide said, nothing is more of a reality than spirit materialization. But when we begin to explain how spirits materialize, we enter the realm of the infinite. For the entire entire phase of materialization involves spirit laws not relative to man's material world, as well as physical laws. So it's all sort of mixed together. Materialization should be within the comprehension of all mankind. It is a deplorable fact that is not because of the ignorance in which the majority of mankind slumber. Good for her. I thought uh, that was very good. Yeah, I know. That's, that puts it on a perspective, doesn't it? It certainly does. That's beautiful. So, so some that, of these you know, the, stories. It's all oh. true. You know, these are a witness. All my books are just, like I said, I'm not a propagandist for this truth. It, it just, it's facts. They're all the, some yeah. of the greatest, greatest instances of mediumship you could ever read. And uh, once you get through these books, especially the teaching books, would be the French Revelation. And I think the Jack Floyd, the teachings in there are enough to change your life. They really are. It's almost it's almost like reading Silver Birch. It's just yes, 
people of humanity needs those teachings because it it's, it's, it's not contrary to common sense. But the phenomenon itself, uh, it's just exciting to read. I mean, it just is. I can never get enough of it, especially the materialization stuff. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, you know, I went deep. I went deep on that book, so it's, 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 that. Yes. it's pretty sick. <laughs> no, no, so it's, it's filled it's, with wonders. It, filled. It's, it is beautiful that it happens, and it happens, and the spirits are tickled clearly by the fact that it can happen, too. There was, there's one in 1951 on the 4th of July. One of the signers of the Declaration of Independence yeah. materialized mm-hmm. full-body yes. materialization. Um what what was his name? It was oh, Joseph, Joseph Hughes. Hughes. I think. Is he the one whose face was half rotted and he got there at the very last minute? Was he one? one of, was was that him? I, I can't. Think it was Joseph Hughes was his yeah. name. Yeah. He was one of the signers of the. They 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 sketched him. They had a sketch him by memory. Like uh, he came through. He wasn't very happy with civilization. <laughs> no, no. Oh, they aren't at all. Oh my goodness. Which is why some of them are working. You know, through the living. I'm, one of them is working through the living in, in me at this point, and um, they're all that those who care are are and are still involved. And it's an option. You should just know when when you get there, you don't ever have to think about the earth again if you don't want to. But many of them are you know love us enough that they want to, and they really are trying to help us. So he he just appeared so that he could say, you tell you can tell people that I appeared 175 years after. Um, after theoretically, I, that was the last thing I did was sign the Declaration of Independence. Here I am again, basically, you know, go back and to well, go the, back to those the astounding, astounding fact that in the spirit world there's no time. So there right. are no only we know time with our clocks and our calendars and all that. That's right. Sun rising and setting, but in the spirit world, a thousand years can pass, and it's an eye blink. There's no, there's no time. So a sign of the Declaration of Independence, uh, there's no. Yes. One of one of the hardest things for people to understand is how there there could be a place with no time. And essentially everything <laughs> happens at once and yet to the people there it seems normal. That's something which we are not gonna understand until we get there. And I you know, I sort of try and then my brain feels sprained and I stop trying. But indeed that's that's true. That's what we're go we're going to. Uh, what, That's what, why you what, have ghosts. You know, you have ghosts <laughs> that are still standing up here at Gettysburg because they had no time. They're still standing there. People? Still, to this day. People? Ghosts from the Gettysburg War, the Civil War. Yes, yes. A lot That's of battlefields like, are haunted that way. Yeah, and, they're haunted. Yeah. And so people are thinking, well, why did they stay there? Well, if you are, if you leave your body at what's not a planned exit point, and you don't have people there rescuing you. And in a battlefield, it can be very difficult for, for you, you to be rescued by your loved ones. You can lose the ability to see them. And then you basically stay in place. But this is when a reason houses are haunted. People get distracted at the time when they should be leaving. And instead, they stay. And they go through the same afternoon. And they think it's all one big, long afternoon. On battlefields, there there's wonderful work that is talked about. Um, I think it's one of Michael Tim's books about how the, there were rescue groups who specifically went to the battlefields, gathered up these confused young men's spirits, and took them to certain specific mediums in Great Britain who helped them understand that, you know, that 
See that person there? That person is someone who's come to help you and just follow them and help them basically go home. But there are they to this day, there are people who died hundreds of years ago that are still basically in place at that battlefield, and some of them are they still think they're fighting that war. Well, like well, everybody has a like everybody can progress eventually. They do, but yes, we have to wait yes. them out. Yes, the, the spirit guides have to wait them out until they come to a realization. The progress is open to everybody. You know, if, if someone was killed out in front of my house here on the country road, even today, if someone was killed and they had no spiritual thoughts or any spiritual concept of anything, and they die instantly in a car crash, they're going to think that they're dreaming. They That's have right. no other relevance but the physical life. So they stand there and they say, I'm still alive, but there's my body lying there on the road. Very confusing. So they, and then they see their grandmother, who's long deceased, and they think, oh, now I'm dreaming. Yes. So yeah. it's a dream to a lot of people who have, who have no spiritual knowledge until they are they're told otherwise. But that's the reason for writing these books. Uh, yes. Help, help people understand that there's much more to this life. It's a larger, larger, beautiful drama than just the physical life. Riley, tell us about your books because you, you, this this is the eighth. Um, and I very briefly summarized them, but I want people to know how to get them easily. I really think that if you're interested in this field at all, if you want real knowledge, this is a hit. Riley Haggerty's books are a great way to get some real knowledge about what's going on. If you on. go to the, the basic Google search window, you put in the books of Ann Riley Haggerty. That'll bring up all the books. And uh, my Facebook page, if you have Facebook, just and go, go up to your little search window and put in uh, Ann Riley Haggerty. My page will come up. All my books are for sale on abebooks.com, uh, bookfinder.com, therisenbooks.com, and of course Amazon, Amazon UK, and all, all of them. But they're for sale and uh, they're not that expensive, they're easy to read. And, uh, yeah. It's taking a lot of work. You know, taking that. I'm still at it. <laughs> yeah, but you love it, so that's okay. So, so let let's talk about how to spell that. Is it because your it's your name is Ann Riley Haggerty? So is there, there are no no punctuation, just N R I. Yeah, go it's ahead. Ken, it's, it's N. My first name is S. You know well. It's N, as in never. You know N. N, you know space. Riley, R-I-L-E-Y. And then last name's Haggerty, H-E-A-G-E-R-T-Y. Dot com. Now, if I tell, yeah, oh, and Riley Haggerty. That's all, you don't even need a dot com. It's N. Riley Haggerty in the search window of Google. Oh, well, put that it in the search. There. Okay. Um, uh, but do you, have a, do you have a website, too? I have no website yet. I'm, I'm debating whether even to stay on Facebook. I don't really, I'm trying I'm open to suggestions too. I'm trying to figure out a way to get these books across besides just Facebook. So Facebook has its nice elements, but there's a lot about Facebook I don't like. I'm just trying, maybe I'll, I'll build a blog. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure yeah. what I do. Yeah. I'm, I'm open for any suggestions. <laughs> okay, well, well, we'll talk about it, you know, off, off the air, because um, we're working on some things that should make it easier for people to find you. And I think that's certainly something well worth doing. I would I would love to have more people be reading your books. I, I think they're so illuminating. 
and and they're joyous. I mean, you, you could tell when you read these books, even though they're mostly quotations, you could tell the joy that he has in writing them and giving you this information. It really is a gift. It's quite beautiful, quite beautiful. The appendices, besides the research of the book itself, and the appendices, and the appendices are a treasure trove of additional information about different subjects of spiritualism. And there's also like there's there's photographs of the Fox Cottage, the Fox Sisters Cottage. Uh-huh. I, I put suggested reading lists and sources. I try to put as much information as I can possibly put in there, you know. And then uh, I think till my ninth book, I may take all the books in my own library and index them into a reference book. Wow, that would be and great. So, each subject matter of each book, like some things will be physical mediumship, some will be mental mediumship, and where you might be able to find them in this modern day. Thank goodness. So you can get some of the rare classics, which you could never find in the 90s. Uh, you can get reprints of a lot of the great classics now. Yeah, which is uh, wonderful. Which is when I started buying them, it was the end of the 60s, and you could find them in used, used bookstores. Yeah. I mean, we, of course, didn't have any internet in the 60s, but they were all over the place. There were, a lot of people had had re- bought them and read them and died. And so their now books were now, you know, well, in, in circulation. The good, old, the good old rare used bookstores are still going out of style now because thanks yeah. to the internet. But right. they're still out there. You have to search them out. And I, I, would, I wouldn't uh, pass that up at all. I have, I have in my book, the, last, the book before this one called The Hereafter. There's an actual little chapter on the old used bookstores and how I found most of my books the old-fashioned way of driving yeah. this musty-smelling bookstore. Yeah, the wonderful. Old, the old yeah. guy wearing a cardigan sweater with yeah. Yeah. classical music playing lightly in the background and the musty smells. And <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he had his sleeves rolled up and he was maybe wearing a... <laughs> We were in a, 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 one of those visors to keep the sun out of the light, rather, <laughs> out of his eyes. You, you know, I've been yeah. there, too. I was in the same bookstore yeah. as you were, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, my. Clustered nooks. Oh, yes. Exactly. Once, once in five visits, you'll find a gem. Once yeah. in five, maybe, if you're yeah. lucky. But we're, 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 many we're, that way. What, what do you want to have people most take away from today? Is that a few? take the time to be interested in this subject, which to me, I would venture to say, outside of the respect of nature, is probably the most important thing you could ever know of these spiritual truths. Because if you want to dispel fear from your life, free your mind. Reading this stuff saved my mind after I lost that girl from leukemia. I was literally floating in a sea of, of... fear and know what to think about anything. How could someone yeah. be gone like this, like a puff of smoke? It yep. saved my mind and it gave me back myself and my joy of life because now you realize I am going to live forever. And there's no such thing as death. Nothing. I mean, nothing can die. You cut a tree down. You did not kill that tree. It's, it's another form of energy yeah. it's gone to. Just like physical death, yeah. you go to the, another active vibrational field of life. But if you want to free your mind of the shackles of superstition and the little box of fear that our society likes to put you in to control you, free your mind and read these spiritual truths. 
you, you will then be free. I guarantee it. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and if you're a Christian, Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. These are the very things that were in that in the Bible. These are the yep. very exactly. well, that's, forms of the That's the thing. I mean, distorted because it went through the minds of people 2,000 or 3,000 years ago. But, but there are truths that are eternal truths, and they are in the Bible as well. They're actually, probably every religion has those same truths, but they're distorted for cultural reasons. It's all coming together now, too, which is going to be really extraordinary. Oh, my goodness. I'm so sad we've come to the end of our time. We're going to have Bradley back next to talk about another of his books that we sort of skipped because you didn't reach out to me, Riley. I get so many. I should just say, everyone, I get so many requests now from agents for, to, that we interview people. That's one reason we have so many different people come come on Seek Reality. It's like a feast. People give, they, they send me these books and the book's so wonderful. And if I bring any more books into this house, my husband will divorce me after 50 years, which is not, <laughs> not a nice thing. So I have to tell him only send a PDF. But anyway, we will have Riley back soon. And meanwhile, we've come to the end of our time. This has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. I'm so happy you were with us today. This has been fun. Please never forget that you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began. You never will end. And when you really get what that means, it changes everything in your life for the better. Plus, you'll never be afraid of anything again in your life. I don't care whether it's the mortgage payment or a, a train coming at you. It's beautiful to be free of fear. Next week, our guest is going to be the wonderful Sandra Champlain, who will be with us for the 11th time. Sandra is a ray of light. I first met her eight years ago. She reached out to me just after she published her breakthrough book, which is called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And we had lunch together. We were both in Boston at the time. I found her to be so sweet, so bright and earnest. I just, so full of joy, really. I, I had to keep knowing her, and so we, we became friends, and we, I've kept in touch with her all this time. I consider Sandra now to be my replacement here in the field of afterlife education when I get to go home, which is sooner rather than later, but not, not all that soon, I don't think yet. Meanwhile, she's making such a very big splash in the field of afterlife education with her. She gives a lot of educational programs with features, some genuine, amazing mediums and other presenters. And her much beloved Sunday gathering is something that you shouldn't miss. You can follow her at we don't die.com. Meanwhile, though, please join us next week and see what's new with our beautiful, beautiful friend, Sandra Champlain. And this week, we've been talking with Riley Haggerty, who it's been too long since he was with us. We're not going to go that long next time. He's been with us for the sixth time. He's another of my favorite people, someone who is devoting his life to doing something that seems maybe it might seem to you to be kind of obscure now, but it's essential pioneering work in helping everyone understand that life is eternal. He, he researches all these obscure psychic phenomena that for various good reasons were prominent a century ago, not so prominent now, but he researches them, he writes fascinating and highly enjoyable books about them, and his latest book, which as I say is just hot off the press, it's maybe his best one yet, it's very entertaining, it's called The Phenomena of Spirit Materialization, A Transcendent Wonder of the Ages, the most glorious and staggering eyewitness accounts ever recorded of spirits returning from the afterlife. And that does, that does not overstate the case. It's also illustrated with illustrations from that day. As one of his boosters has said, it's the kind of information that will take you pretty far past 
your boggle threshold if you take it seriously, which you must, because in fact it's all true. I should just say that since you enjoy learning about these things, again, please consider joining the Afterlife Research and Education Institute, AREI, with R. Craig Hogan. All you have to do is go to afterlifeinstitute.org and, and join up, and you'll learn, frankly, he's still my teacher too, you'll learn from the, the best teacher in the field about what actually is going on. As you know, my no nonfiction books are Liberating Jesus, Mike Thomas, The Fun of Dying, The Fun of Staying in Touch, The Fun of Growing Forever, The Fun of Living Together, and soon The Fun of Loving Jesus, Embracing the Christianity that Jesus taught about time. For young children, there's The Fun of Meeting Jesus, and there's soon will, will be, um, I think it's, the, I've forgotten the title of the second one, but there will be a new children's book. The illustrations are done. You can order all these books from, of course, Amazon and from bookstores, and the adult books are available on audiobooks. Meanwhile, though, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy and make the most of this coming week in our one gigantic, beautiful, love-filled reality, and know that you are a powerful, eternal being. Please know every moment that you, most of all in the entire universe, you are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about the one reality we all share. Knowing the truth changes everything.